Welcome to the Metro Minute, Loving Learning Edition, hosted by Alyssa Quarles, Director of Learning and Instruction, and Liz Farthing, EdTech Specialist at Metro Christian Academy in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Here we collaborate with educational leaders in the K-12 world to dive deeper into all things professional development and ed tech. Our goal is not just to empower you to grow as a professional in the classroom, but to encourage you as a lifelong learner who educates out of the overflow of your flourishing mind, body, and spirit. We are so excited to learn together. Hey everybody, welcome back to Loving Learning Edition on the Metro Minute. Today, our episode is focusing on T for tool. Liz, what is that all about? So T is the first letter in our tech acronym that outlines where we are going as a community in terms of technology. So T stands for tool. And we believe technology is a tool that E enriches. Um, We view that from a C Christian worldview in the hopes of forming H, a holistic learner by graduation. So the T for tool, we believe that technology is a tool that adds to and enriches the lives of really all stakeholders in our community. So teachers, students, their families, um, it is a valuable tool and it's one that they will continue to use for their entire life. And so we want to be really intentional about teaching them how to use this tool of technology in these super formative years while they are within the safe boundaries of their family and of our school. Alyssa, maybe it would be helpful before we jump into this topic to kind of contextualize where we have been on this tech journey. We Mm -hmm. didn't always call it tech Mm -hmm. and where we are now and kind of where we're headed in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I think our journey with tech has been a really neat one. And it's a journey that started long before either of us were here. So uh, originally, several years ago, we had an ed tech task force that was designated with dreaming into what tech could look like in our metro community. And that group consisted of multiple people, some board members, uh, Carrie Storms, was on that group as well as some uh, previous staff members. And they were really able to dream into the space of tech with students, tech with educators, and just have the conversation to say, what are the possibilities? That group was really a key factor in informing our school in how to pivot during the pandemic. Because in that space, we suddenly are jumping to this virtual space of learning, you know, for those months that we were at home. And then even in that first year, uh, 2020 and 2021, when we were back on campus, but still needing just a new perspective on how to do education, I think because we had that group in place, we were a few steps ahead and able to address some of these questions in a much more healthy way, in a holistic way, because we were already considering some of these things and then we were propelled into those spaces. So that's where we've been. And out of that, I mean, we are a one-to-one school. So our elementary and middle school students, they each have a school assigned Chromebook that they get to use for school. And then in high school, we have a bring your own laptop policy. So all of our students have a possibility of daily access to technology resources. And that translates to at-home resources as well, because we're now a Google Classroom school. We're 
using multiple tools and platforms across our P3 through 12 district here. So now we're dreaming into the spaces where we can continue to grow. Uh, Two summers ago, our middle school principal got together a bunch of educators who were already explorers and utilizing tech to actually brainstorm and put together some technology standards that range all the way from P3 through 12th grade to get age-appropriate input for every grade that arches throughout a student's experience at Metro. And that was cool because we had teachers from every single end of the spectrum giving input and across subject areas. So the document that was born out of that, you know, had several renditions. Last spring, our team were able to do a really neat data experiment, so to say, and reveal or introduce those standards to our faculty. And they were able to look at those standards and acknowledge the spaces where we're already meeting those things and look into the gaps or spaces of growth that we're now getting to step into. So our hope for the future, you know, we're realizing this is something that's just been introduced. Obviously, we're not going to be there overnight. So this is a process of growth where Liz, as our ed tech specialist, is really able to come into play to support our faculty and our staff to get to those spaces where we've been dreaming and exploring. Yeah, it's been so fun to see where we are excelling at these things already across different grade levels and get to provide resources to teachers on how to continue to walk this journey of equipping kiddos with tech tools. One important thing, you know, when we say we're a one-to-one school or we have these tech standards that every grade is expected to begin to either be introduced to or observe or master depending on what it is and what grade level. Kids aren't just sitting behind a laptop all day. Oh, for sure. Right. When you view technology being used in a second grade classroom, it's often a quick perusal of an app during reading rotations, right? I think sometimes when we think about using technology in the classroom, it's kind of an all or nothing approach, or that's kind of maybe what we envision unintentionally. But it's been really fun for me to see and to help teachers explore how to incorporate these things in a really holistic way. Mm, So I hear you saying that technology is used to really support teachers to do the things that only they can do. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Technology supports students who may not otherwise be inclined to engage Mm. with a certain subject matter or in a certain way. When I give my students forms or if they are doing like a flip video, I am oftentimes hearing a perspective that they likely wouldn't feel comfortable Mm -hmm. sharing in a full classroom just because they're a quiet kid or their brain's not quite awake first hour Mm -hmm. for science class, right? Mm -hmm. But it provides different avenues to really care for them as a whole person. Mm. So that's giving students agency to share their voice and even choice. You know, we we are loving learning. So that seems like a, a neat avenue to explore. So what is Tea for Tool all about? That's our metro journey with tech. Where does that bring us to today? When we talk about technology as a tool, I really like to picture 
my garage with the set of actual tools that I have at my disposal. We have a miter saw. We have a lawnmower. We have a power drill, right? All of these things accomplish different goals. And sometimes there's a need to really understand how a tool works. Other things I've been using since I was in elementary school. Hammer. I am proficient. We're good to go. I'm so uh, glad you're proficient with a hammer. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Big life skill there. But a couple years ago, we got a miter saw and I had to watch my dad use that. I had to read the manual. It was, I was like, I really don't want to mess this up. I would prefer to have all my appendages connected <laughs> to my body. Um, and so I think using that imagery of physical tools that we have at our disposal is really helpful when we think about technology as a tool. So just mm. like a, a tool like a miter saw, I'm not going to hand that over to my my five-year-old pre-Ker. And that would be terrifying. I'm going to give him <laughs> I'm going to give him something a little more age appropriate. So when we're looking at technology, we're going to use it in an age appropriate way mm-hmm. and provide opportunities to view it in use, provide opportunities to slowly begin mastering um, that tool for whatever the purpose is, right? So if I'm trying to cut a piece of, of, you know, a two by four, I'm not going to reach for my drill. Could I do that? Given enough time, sure, but it's not the most efficient. In the book, The TechWise Family, they talk a lot about how for most of human history, tools were around, but they were in a specific place, number one. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, they weren't necessarily easy to use. Like you had to undergo some sort of apprenticeship process to mm-hmm. learn the craft or the skill of using that thing. And so I think the same thing applies for technology, you know, using a laptop or learning how to navigate an app on an iPad. Mm. We need technology to be number one in a specific place, which is hard when we're talking about like smartphones, for example, right? Mm -hmm. Which is why oftentimes at the high school level around here, you will see a cell hotel where students are checking in their phones. They are being put in a physical place so that they are not an obstacle to the academic spaces that those students are going to explore in that 50-minute class. And the same thing is true at our homes. Putting technology in a specific place, if something's out of sight, that's hopefully, maybe it's out of mind. I don't know. We have our Apple Watches. And those are great, great tools that I love using on a daily basis. And I think the, the second part of that idea is that for most of human history, tools were not easy to use. Technology companies pride themselves in making technology easy to use now. And so that obstacle has kind of been removed. So it's easy, it can be easy to make the mistake of, oh, well, because this thing, the smartphone or whatever it is, is easy to use, then we don't need to really train people on it. So just because technology is easy to use doesn't mean that we don't need training or guidance or boundaries around it. And that's something that here at Metro we're trying to provide in an organic way through, you know, just a normal classroom experience, but also in intentional ways with our tech standards. So tell me, Liz, have we arrived? Unfortunately, no. I mean, 
No, I retract that. Fortunately, we haven't arrived, right? Because we're all about the growth mindset. So Mm -hmm. technology is going to continue to evolve and we will continue to evolve our methods of how we deal with it. I think we are on a really great path to incorporating and providing structure for a lot of these things to both our students and our families. That's something I'm excited to get to work on this year is just equipping families with the tools that they need to help them put technology in its proper place at home. And we're going to try to do our part at school, but we're going to keep working. We're here with Carrie Storms. She is our current middle school principal. Yes, we love her. Um, She is also a mom of four preteen teenage kiddos. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Carrie, we are talking about technology and we wanted to know kind of as a mom, how have you navigated having four kiddos who all have personal devices of various kinds? Right. Well, you know, we have definitely taken an approach of trying to be proactive in conversation at home with our kids. I currently have a daughter who's almost 18. She's a senior in high school, a son who's 16 and a half. He's a junior. And then two boys in middle school. We feel like when when my husband and I were looking back at when our daughter was coming up into secondary and knowing that we wanted to try to have some sort of policies or standards in place as a family, but also wanted to be sensitive to what each of our kids may need or what each of their areas of struggle might be that we wanted to be able to customize our approach with our kids. Also, we we knew we'd need to talk about this early enough. When we were looking at devices, we explored and used flip phones originally when our older two kids were getting into the realm of cell phones. We have definitely, even to this day, we maintain that, you know, at the end of the evening, everybody's phones are plugged in in the kitchen. They don't go to their bedrooms. We've maintained some things like that, that for us, for our family, have allowed us the opportunity to make changes as needed, flexes as needed, without feeling too much like we were having to dial back. So we sort of started at a place with device, with issuing devices, deciding on when kids would get devices, deciding on how those devices could be used and things like that in an extremely guarded way. And we were pretty transparent, I feel like, with our kids. And we try to be continually transparent with our kids of, hey, here's why we're doing this. Or here's the habit we want you to develop. You know, even when we were going back to the flip phone, we said a lot of times, hey, we want you to use this flip phone because we want you to develop the habit of using a phone as a communication device rather than just a brain break or rather than a crutch or rather than a a place to unwind. Those are all different things that those devices could be used for, but we want you to first build the habit of the functional piece of it. And so that's been, that's been really productive for us. It's amazing. I love that. I love the gradual buildup. I love that you have taken this thing that really could be a peace in any place and you have given it a place. One other thing also is then beyond the devices, then what goes on the device? How is the device used? It's been really great to get into conversations about social media with our kids. It's been really interesting to watch them say, hey, could I get this app for us to be able to have the space and the bandwidth to not just be like yes or no, but to say, oh, well, tell me why you're interested in that. 
So I'm hearing you say you had kind of an on-ramp with your kids that started out small and now you're at this place where you're building upon so many conversations you've had. What would you say to the parent who maybe maybe didn't have those things in place and is now going, ooh, we're either in a space where we need to set some parameters that tech is a tool or my kids are just getting to that age. What do I do right now? Right. So I think one thing for a family that's maybe feeling like they're needing to dial back Modeling that is huge because I would guess a lot of times for our family, when my husband and I are finding ourselves perhaps being frustrated with a behavior or a habit, especially related to tech that we're seeing in our kids, nine times out of 10, we may not be excelling in that area ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so setting the pace initially as the leaders of the family is, is everything. It makes such a huge difference. And then talking through the why behind it. Hey, it's not because this app is bad or this device is bad. It's because we want to be intentional with developing qualities that reflect a Christ-like attitude in our lifestyle. This is a tangible way that we're going to pursue doing that, saying yes to what is true, noble, right, good, lovely, and admirable, and being able to be free to say those yeses in really rich Christ-honoring ways sometimes means saying no to other things. That's good. Okay, now taking off your mom hat and kind of putting on your administrator hat. Yes. I am assuming that you have seen the good, but also the bad and the ugly of technology, Mm. how sometimes destructive it can be. Why do you still believe technology has a place in education and what gives you hope in this area? Here's the thing, Liz. I mean, I don't want to oversimplify this, but a hammer can do a lot of destruction. It could tear holes in drywall. It can break a desk. It can put a dent in a car. Um, It could pull out nails that are holding a structure together. And so if I were to give maybe a three-year-old a hammer and put them in the middle of a glass shop, it could be easy to say, oh, that is such a destructive tool. But I know several years ago, we did an addition on our home. And without the laborers having various kinds of hammers to construct what it is that we were wanting, I know for a fact our addition wouldn't have been possible. And so in that case, it could be easy to say, oh, what a great profitable tool. Well, in both of those cases, they're both just a hammer, Yep. right? Um, In both of those situations, though, the hammer was placed into the hand of a user. And at that point, it was a, well, what do we know about the user? What success, what space of success has the user been placed into, been given training for and how to use this hammer as it was designed, how to use this hammer potentially creatively, but to use it for good and not for destruction. And at any point, the trained carpenters and builders could have taken that tool and used it for destructive purposes. But they had habits and a game plan and a purpose and a focus in place to guide them to use the tool versus being used by something that they were ill-equipped to use effectively in the first place. And really, that is such a great word picture, in my opinion, of what my hope and goal is 
not only as an administrator, but certainly as a parent for students as they are being given such wide arrays of tools. Really neat thing about tech is we can view, say, a phone as a hammer, but I really like the broader look of a toolbox. You know, going back to the house building analogy, I can do a lot of good with a hammer, but if all I have is a hammer, at some point, uh, I might feel um, ill-equipped to really create the design of the designer. If I have a toolbox with a hammer and a screwdriver and, um, you know, and a saw and some different things, I'm better equipped to perhaps um, lean into being part of building that, that thing that was designed by the designer. Same thing. We could have an amazing access to Google tools or different online tools or different websites or or apps, or a phone, or an iPad, or a laptop, or all these different things, but they're still just things if the training isn't there, if the vision isn't cast. How are these tools, how can these tools be used uniquely by a follower of Christ to amplify the voice of truth, which we know is scripture, which we know is is what the Lord is saying to us. We aren't puppets. We are part of the designer's plan, and so we have a unique opportunity to not shy away from the use of tools, but to be equipped and to equip our students to be part of that as they are growing as believers and impact makers in the world. So what's a one sentence summary, Liz, of T, technology as a tool? Okay, so I would say at Metro, we see technology as a tool that adds to and enriches the lives of teachers, students, and family. It's not the only educational tool we utilize, but it is a really important tool to wisely equip students for a future. Mm, That puts us into perspective. So T for tool. Next time we're going to be talking about E, which is? Enrich. Enrich. What is something you are learning lately? The power of not yet and the correlation with tone has been something that I've been learning and going deeper with lately. I've found both with students, myself, other teachers, parents, I just feel like everyone in the community I have had more experience with and recognizing more that our tone has such a power and connection with our perception of growth and that growth as a process. So if we think of, you know, the power of not yet, a growth mindset where we say maybe something isn't where we want it to be right now, or it's really hard and is a struggle or challenge, the tone that we talk about and think about those things, even if we're using the right keywords like yet or growth, the tone that we use is so telling of our mental and our heart positions. And that's really informed some conversations that I've had. And I've noticed the people who enter a conversation with a tone that is peaceful, but that is also compassionate to self and to others. It's really challenging to help pull someone out of a fixed mindset or of a downbeaten space when they're using the right words with the wrong tone. And it just seems like tone is really telling, kind of like we say, like the eyes are the window to the soul. It kind of feels like tone is the window to the brain Mm. because it really conveys the feelings that are coming across too. So if we're using not yet in a really discouraging and self-critical way, that, that tone does come across. So 
I believe when Jesus was discipling those who followed him, I believe, you know, we don't have a voice recording of how he said things, but it seems like based on their responses that were given that he frequently had a tone that was compassionate and was really peaceful. I think there were a hundred percent times of rebuke and strong truths for those, especially that had closed ears, but it seems like those who were interested in growth, there was a really compassionate space and tone for that. And I want to convey that to our students, to our faculty and to myself as well, that that's something always in the process of growth and improvement, not yet in tone. I love that. Yeah. Liz, what are you learning right now? I am learning about the power of something as well. This is the power of reflection in the learning process. And I think similar to tone and growth mindset, you want that for students, you want that for staff here at Metro, but also for yourself. Mm -hmm. And so just practicing reflection and metacognition myself Mm -hmm. as I am learning. It's also just a really helpful tool for me as a teacher in the classroom. I'm learning so much about my students each time I have them do a reflection, and it helps me tailor kind of our road forward to them and I can see where they're at. And more importantly, they can see where they are at. Mm, Um, mm -hmm. Because I think in our pilot episode, we talked about how a lot of times thinking back to high school, we don't remember everything we learned. (laughs) There are probably a lot of reasons for that. But I I really pinpoint a lot of my kind of blank space when I remember what did what books did I read in high school mm-hmm. English on the fact that I didn't really stop to reflect or think about how I'm learning, how I'm studying, how I'm reading. And so I think that's just a really helpful tool for the classroom, but also more broadly for life. Mm, I love that. You mentioned for yourself as a teacher, faculty member, and for the students using reflection to then determine next steps. So I think of students reflecting on their study methods and was that particular method helpful for me or not? Is that kind of where you see or what does that look like for you? Yes. Not only is this study method working, But did I give myself enough time? Did Mm. I prioritize this? And even some of my questions are, what grade did you expect to get on Mm. this assignment? And it's interesting when kids rate their expected grade really low and then maybe the grade that they actually achieved as a little bit higher than that. Mm. And so I think sometimes they surprise themselves in really beautiful ways, or also they know they didn't really put in the effort (laughs) and they're fully admitting that. And then we're moving forward thinking about, okay, next unit, are we going to walk the same Mm. exact path Mm -hmm. or are we going to reroute a little bit? Awesome. So since this is a professional development ed tech podcast, what do you think that would look like for teachers, that reflection piece? What's that look like? Mm. So for me, I want to work smarter, not harder. And I use a Google form that has kind of the same um, set questions. I've beefed it up a little bit over the years, but that's just a really easy, simple, quick way for students to anticipate this is what we do after the end of every chapter. And then it's also a helpful point of reference when talking to parents. We just had our Mm -hmm. our 
fall conferences and parents were like, hang on, let me take a, a snapshot of that <laughs> form really quick so I can talk with my kid about their answer. Um, so I think it's just a helpful piece of data. Um, and it doesn't, it's, it's not like super intense. Like, did you fully realize standard 12.3 B? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's just very basic. Like how did you study? Mm-hmm. Um, when did you start studying? What concepts could you have taught? Like these mm. basic questions. Um, and really it's become an edgy protocol in my classroom. Like Mm -hmm. it's a tech tool that we're coming back to over and over again. And Mm -hmm. so students um, are used to it and they expect it. And then I think for me as a teacher, I always include a couple questions on there. um, Like how can I support you better in the future in my class, um, but also just as a person. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of gives me some insight into where their hearts are at, where their schedules are at once they leave my classroom um, because kids are busy and I want to be as effective as possible. Um, and they, they want to do well. That's, yeah. that's the assumption, right? Like mm-hmm. we're all trying our, our best. So how can we help each other in that way? Mm, that's so good. I, I want to make one of those forms for myself to be able to reflect <laughs> and say like, okay, this is, you know, the unit that I just taught, or this is the project I just completed as an educator. How did I do to prepare? And how did I do? What do I want to do different next time? What did I notice from the kids' responses or even the outcomes? I'm interested in building that for myself. Thanks for joining us on the Metro Minute, Loving Learning Edition, where we talk about all things professional development and ed tech for K-12 teachers in today's world. Find new episodes, resources, and more on our website at metroca.com slash podcast or on social media under Metro Christian Academy Tulsa. Stay curious and keep learning. See you next time.